All right, so I'm recording now, so we're just kind of we're just kind of going in. I'm not going to lead in with a heavy uh, intro. Um, Was there music at the front? There will be music, I believe, unless we. I don't know. Sometimes, so you know what I do on the podcast. Sometimes I don't do the music just to kind of almost reset people's ears, and also because sometimes what happens is people like. Remember, how I mentioned the short attention span thing. Sometimes people listen to the first ten seconds of the podcast and assume all I was doing was putting up a song. Like I've literally had people say, "Oh, I love the music that you put up on your podcast," and they thought the podcast was all music. They didn't even bother to listen beyond the 20 second bumper so so i realized i have to occasionally just start without music just for that reason um so so yeah so today you had an interesting idea um and this turned out this really kind of sent me down a rabbit hole so i was really intrigued by it but you wanted to do our top 10 non-metal songs yeah and yeah and we left it kind of open to interpretation so i don't really know what that meant to you and i don't think you really know what that meant to me yeah, so, and I don't know your list, and you don't know my list. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about it short of that suggestion yesterday, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. So all I all I got was like he he sent me a, a an accept song. What was the name of the song? Do you remember? Princess of the Dawn. Princess of the Dawn, which I don't think I'd ever heard, or if I'd heard it, it, it never really stuck in my head. But it was a really good song. Um, it and, is. And, it's a great song. And the question was whether it belonged on the list or not, whether it was metal or rock or I, I don't know what you thought it might have fallen into. There was another song I think you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I so, took it off my list anyway. But you okay. know, if you're interested in a good non-metal song, I just got a freebie because Brendan just gave one away. So Well, I, I, uh, I also I have a list of honorable mentions. I don't know. Are we going to do that as well? Like uh, I have one honorable mention. Um, if you have seven, then that's I have horrible. 14. Um, <laughs> we can't do that many honorable mentions. Well, you, you know what it is, you know, cause I noticed on YouTube when people do the top 10 list now, when they get past nine and they're about to do 10, they do like a slew of, yeah. of songs. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, try to squeeze in all of my honorable mentions if I can. Um, but I do have one honorable mention as well. That yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. it was, it was, I'll get into it when we get there, but there's a, um, so how do we want to do this? Because obviously a top 10 list, do we want to just go one by one by one or, you know, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I was going to start with my honorable mention and then go to 10 and then you could do your honorable mention in 10 and we'll just go back and forth. I mean, okay. Then go down from there. All right. That, that, uh, yeah, let me now my, my playlist in my notes is actually in the incorrect order. So let me just get my, uh, my, you. (laughs) my youtube uh playlist up um well you know how i do top 10 lists on facebook so you should know i go 10 to 1 um yeah well the thing is i i did mine in um chronological order so oh that's weird yeah it's weird but i thought it was important for this list so that's Uh, all right so you want to do yours in chronological we can do yours in chronological okay so do you want me to do it from the do you want, should 10 be the earliest or should 10 be the most recent? <laughs> That's up to you. We have no rules on this one. Okay. Well, if we're going to, okay, so 10, 10 is going to be most recent because that's how I have it structured. So we'll do it that way. Uh, All right. Or you know what? No, I think it's a build up to the most recent. So I'm going to do it the other way around. Um, I'll do it. Yeah, that'll be my countdown. Um, so anyways, uh, we're doing our honorable mention. Is that correct? So why don't you why don't yeah. you do your honorable mention first? And then I, I'll go to my I also want to say that I made my list in about 
10, 15 minutes and you spent all day. Okay, so so first off, we should probably go over our criteria because that is kind of important before we even get to the list. Um, yeah, okay. I, did, I, I, I actually got mine hammered out last night, but I gave myself an evening to think about it. However, I did have criteria which sort of mitigated that, which was it had to be something that I didn't strain to think of. Like it had to leap to my mind. Do you know what I mean? So it was just a question of big songs that I could easily grab hold of from memory, not obscure things that I might have to like go through a file to look for. Do you know what I mean? And and I thought that was important for this because this is, you know, the best songs and I, I, I didn't. It felt like cheating if it was like, ooh, there's like an obscure song I have in like a little folder here that I can, that I right. don't always remember the name to. So, uh, so they're all kind of general. Um, and my criteria were, uh, these are songs that I'm consistently pleased to hear when they come on the radio or when somebody plays them or performs them. And they're also songs that like either move me or have special meaning or that I just have tremendous admiration for. Um, and I also was thinking of, and this wasn't like a 100% for every song, but I felt that truly great songs are great on their own, not just because of who performed them. And so right. it's often about the song more than the performer. There are a couple on the list that I think the performer matters a lot, but for the most part, I think they're just great songs. So I, I don't know if you have anything to add to the criteria there, but that was my my thinking on it. I purposely didn't pick anything from bands we had already talked a lot about, okay. with the exception of Kiss. I do have a Kiss song on here, um, but I didn't pick ACDC. I didn't pick Rush. Um, I I didn't pick Queen. I did pick Kansas, but it's it is one of my favorite songs. But I tried to avoid things that we've already discussed in other episodes or okay. things that are just so brain dead obvious. You know, Back in Black. Everybody likes that song. What's yeah. the point of me putting that on a top ten list? Um, so I tried to go for things that were a li- not, I don't want to say obscure, but they're off the beaten path a little bit okay. because giving you a top 10 list of what you already think is a top 10, uh, this is what I do when I do them online, right? I try yeah. to get people to think about what is really the saddest movie you've ever seen. Yes. Say, well, I think the saddest movie is this. Well, actually the entire movie isn't sad. It just has one sad moment. You really can't put that on a list. Okay. And, okay. And I try to get people to think outside the what's ever comfortable for them for a top ten list, and I try to do them as fast as possible too because I don't want to overthink them. No, I think that's kind of important actually. Like I had to stop thinking about it at a certain point and just be like, "Look, this is my list." Um, right. And I also did do something where, like, this whole list could have been Queen for me, or it could have been a bunch of other things. Yeah. And so I just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. anything that was like that, and anything that was proto metal, I just cut out. So any proto metal, in fact, I even really didn't put any hard rock on here because I was like, I think that's to a lot of people, a lot of hard rock music, they just call it metal. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to totally sidestep that. Um, So we're going to have very different lists, I think, which will be interesting. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, And this will be interesting because I honestly don't know. I have no idea what you chose. It, it, It's probably not surprising once I get going, but it's definitely not anywhere near the stuff that we normally talk about right. on the on the podcast so uh so why don't you give your exception now now that we've had our so big... my exception was the greg kin band and it's the breakup song um a lot of people don't know the name of the band or the song title um and i've been listening to it a lot lately and i don't know why but um it it's not a favorite but it's just something i wanted to mention because if you go and look it up you go oh 
I love that song. I think like that's you never knew the name of. I it. don't. I don't recognize the name of the band or the song yeah. name, but uh, but now, but you saying that makes me confident that I probably will recognize it when I hear it. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll have to give my opinions after the podcast on it. Um, <laughs> it's the well. Can we sing? Can I hum it? Yeah, you can hum it, or you can even yeah. play a so, little clip. Uh, I think they don't ride them like that anymore. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good. Okay. But a lot of people don't know the name of it or anything like that, and it's a good song. It's, yeah, that's a really good song. I would I would agree. Um, all right, so mine's my, my my this one. So so here's what happened. I made my top ten list, and it was kind of set. But I had I had sent a message to my friend Evan, who I text a lot because he was in my my uh, my my doom metal band growing up, and so I often text him when I'm doing lists like this or just trying to bounce back ideas. And I asked him what his t- top ten songs of all time were. And that weren't metal. And he sent me a list that was mostly jokes, like my dingaling and <laughs> plop plop fizz fizz. But he also had uh, Arab Shell Shashanim on there. And I was like, oh, I, I love that song. I should have put that on my list, but I didn't, so I left it off. But I do think that it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. And I, I really should have been on my list, but because it, it didn't, it didn't meet the criteria of straining to remember it that. I kept it off because I had forgotten. And about which that song, song is that? I'm trying to remember. Um, I'll, you know what I'll do? I will play a little clip. Nobody's going to hear it. You'll, uh, you'll hear it. Um, okay. Or I, th- or actually, you might not even hear. It. I'll send you a clip and you can listen to it while I just okay. kind of, I don't know, talk about some things. Uh, so let me just send it to you in the chat. Now this is an old timey version. This is the one that I'm probably going to put up in a link on the uh, on the thing, and it's a, a trio of guitar players, and it's just a, it's an old. You know, it's, yeah, it's like a, I think I already remember it. Go ahead. Okay, so it's a, it's a it's a it's a Jewish love song, and I think it was written in the '50s, and it kind of got big in the '60s, and you usually hear it at, at Jewish weddings and stuff. But it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful song. So, uh, but you know, so that should have been on the list, but I couldn't get it on there. So that was my honorable mention. Um, and so yeah, so I don't know. Should we dive into our our proper lists now? Yeah, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do yours while I... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, all right. So um, so I'm going to give my, my number 10, right? Which... Uh, yeah. Okay, so I organize mine chronologically, which means I'm going to go... I'm going to do 10 is going to be the oldest music, and then number one will be the most recent music. So my number 10 is Henry Purcell's Funeral March from the uh, Queen Mary funeral music. Uh-huh. And people might recognize that from A Clockwork Orange. It's that it's basically the main theme, uh, the the non Beethoven music that you hear in the movie. And uh, uh, I don't. To me, number one, I I picked it because it's like an early Baroque music, and so I, I was I felt that we were doing music from all time, and right. and so I I tried to, which made it really hard because I had to pick music that I felt was uh, that covered a lot of ground. And for me, this song, it just has these really powerful harmonies and chords that I never get sick of it. And so and, and I'm always happy when it comes on and 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 it and it works perfectly in Clockwork Orange. But, you know, it, it's it's a song that has a much bigger history before Clockwork Orange, um, though. I think, you know, most people my age, that's probably where they first encounter it just because, you know, the you know, it, it, that's how it worked its way into pop culture. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my number 10. That's interesting. Um, uh, most of my music's going to come from the seventies to be honest. So, That's fine. Uh, That's fine. Um, I went with Blackfoot highway song. 
for my number 10. Everybody thinks uh, Leonard Skinner Freebird is the quintessential Southern rock Okay. Song, but I think this song is better. I think, one, because it isn't overplayed, and uh, two, it, it it's pretty much the same exact structure. It just gets me better. It just gets me in a, in a better way. Now, why? Uh, do you know why it gets you better, or is it... Uh, Again, it, it pro- a lot of it probably has to do with it. I haven't heard it a million times like I have Freebird. Um, but I love that. I just, I love outros, right? We've talked about guitar outros before. Yeah. We should probably do a top 10 list of those. But the guitar outro on Blackfoot is just, just a little grimier, I guess, is a good way of saying it. I just, you know, I just like it a little more. And so Freebird could have been in this spot, but I, I, I'll listen to Blackfoot. 10 times to one in the, in the case of Leonard Skinner. I, I had a lot of songs like that. Like when I was, when I chose the Henry Purcell song, I was also, it was vying for the same space as green sleeves and green sleeves got knocked. Um, so I kind of understand what you mean. There. There's like certain songs yeah. that, um, so I mean, that, that's, that seems like a good, uh, that, a good number 10 to me. Um, and is your whole list in the seventies or is it, uh, Mostly, uh, I think there's two songs from the 80s, and then uh, I have one uh, classical song. Okay. From, I think, I want to say the 1800s. I actually don't know when this was composed. Okay. Um, all right, so I guess, are we on to number nine now? Is that... Uh, yeah. So my number nine, is, and and I know you're not going to like this one. You're not going to like my next two, because you don't like German composers. But, uh, <laughs> I but, don't. Uh, but but mine is Beethoven Symphony Number no. Seven, uh, the second movement, um, which to me is just, I I don't know I just always like that one it 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 kind of hits me in the chest it's just one of those types of melodies and you know I mean obviously his ninth symphony is considered his greatest work but and and a lot of people know Moonlight Sonata and I I was almost tempted to put Fur Elise here because that was the first Beethoven song I'd ever heard and I fell in love with it as a kid. But when I heard Symphony Number no. Seven, I was just like, "That is the sound that I know I'm always going to like," and it just had a big impact on me musically. So um, I wanted to put that in there. Yeah, I, I think the only German composer I'll give a pass to is Gustav Mahler. The rest of them can just now. Is it the sound that you don't like, or you just don't like it's the fact all, that there's a lot of German composers? Over. It's all foofy. It's all foofy <laughs> classical. And okay. That era just rubbed me the wrong way. But you like Baroque music, right? You just don't like that. that... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not Baroque's not my favorite. Okay. Period. But I, yeah, I think okay. they were anybody that came passing through Vienna at about the same time. <laughs> okay. They all, they, the whole town could have gotten the plague, and I think classical music would have been better off. Okay. See, I it. I love that period. I, Baroque's actually my favorite, but I do like Beethoven and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I like romantic composers, but but I don't know Be- Beethoven. I particularly like. Um, this is why we're not friends. I think you're just <laughs> a lot. Of, you know, just... it's uh, what can you say? Um, <laughs> I think I said it. So, so all right. So what's uh, uh my number nine? I hate myself for liking this song, and I hate myself for liking a couple of songs from this band. This is probably the catchiest song on my list. Abba, gimme, gimme, gimme. Okay, wait. Did you say Abba or Habba? Abba. Abba. Okay. Okay. Is there a band name Habba? Uh, that's what I was wondering. I was. Uh, 
So, I mean, you know, ABBA has some catchy songs. I don't think... I know. It, you know That's it's, why I hate myself for liking this, because yeah. I don't like catchy songs. It, it, you know... It, I don't I, I can't I can't blame you for I mean I almost I mean there was a song that I was very tempted to put on my list that I did not the um the Bonnie Taylor song I need a hero or was it I need a hero is that the name of the song or I don't remember the proper name it's Bonnie Tyler Bonnie Tyler song sorry is I need a hero yeah okay I was tempted to put that on there but because I do like that song but I felt guilty and I and also it didn't quite meet a lot of my criteria but um uh <laughs> You know, so I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't throw any dirt at you for this one. But you, sh- I should be mocked, and, and I will accept any mockery that comes my way for liking an Abitune. So, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, at least it wasn't Ace of Base or something like that, you know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I, so, so, all right, so we're on to what, number number eight now? Is that our, our yeah, present yeah. looking? All right, so I'm probably going to get flack from you for this one. Though I will say, I've never... I've never liked that this was written by who it was written by. Um, I always felt I, I just always assumed it was written by someone else. Um, but Ave Maria is is my number eight, and okay, and that's just because that song. It's just like whenever people play it, it's like you know you know there there are songs that you're always happy to hear somebody perform, and Ave Maria. If I ask, can you play Ave Maria, and they can play it, I'm happy. So it's, or if you can sing it or whatever that, you know, if, 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 it, if, it, or if it even comes on the radio, which sometimes it does, but you know, and, and, it, and I think it's a moving song and I think, you know, I just, I, you know, I liked, I, I, you know, grew, grew up religious. So it's kind of got the, you know, the, the Mary thing is kind of important. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I put it on there for that too. Um, I'm, a, I actually didn't put any opera on my list. Um, but I like a lot of different operas. Um, I think my probably Trieste is my favorite piece, if I'm pronouncing the name right, uh, of the piece. Uh, Nessun, Nessun Dorma is really good. Not that, you know. Anyway. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, am not, a, I'm not a huge opera person, but there was a lot of opera in the house as a kid, yeah. and so, um, yeah. But uh, so, interesting fact. My grandfather could sing higher than Caruso. Um, was your fa- but, was your grandfather a singer, or he just was able? He to... wanted to be a singer. He was actually uh-huh. a Mason. Okay. But he wanted to be a singer, and he uh, he was actually an angry drunk because he couldn't be a singer. He couldn't get a career doing it. That but he could actually people. sing higher than Caruso. That's I mean true, true story. Maybe 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 you got some pipes. You know what I mean? If you if you try me uh, personally, yeah, no, I, no, I have a very narrow range. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have a very low range, and so I can do stuff on the low. I got like a Leonard Cohen voice if I really want to yeah. sing, and then anything above that is not going to work. Um, whenever what, I'm doing, whenever I'm singing, when I'm alone and I'm singing with music and I'm trying to get in tone. Uh-huh. With the music, I end up sounding like a croner. I don't sound. I can't okay. do anything else. But the, but the, that's not that's a perfectly good genre of music, you know. It's <laughs> not if you don't like croners. Yeah. Well, you know, I I I, I like them. Um, the kind of I've never understood why people don't like them. I'm not. I've. I, I, it's. I don't like. I can't pinpoint. Not like I don't care if people don't like them. I've just never been able to, to pinpoint the thing that is the cause of people's dislike for them. Um, it, if I had to guess, it's just because you people like it when music crescendos. They mm-hmm. like it when uh, you hit a specific kind of note mm-hmm. at the right time in a song. And croners just tend to be monotone. 
Yeah. Well, well I, I remember when, um, like, I was reading some, like, reviews of, of, of that style of music when it first came out. And I guess the big complaint was this wouldn't exist if the if 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 microphones didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the the chief complaint um, at the time. Right. But uh, which you know it was obviously at a time when technology was changing. So, uh, but uh, but yeah. So, so so I sort of see them as a stepping stone towards more modern vocal styles. Sure. Um, but uh, all right. So you you gave did you give your number eight or no? I did not. Okay. What's your number eight? My number eight is probably uh, the biggest cheat on my list. It's Kiss, Detroit Rock City. Um, you know, that's a good... You, you you mentioned that one to me, and I was like, that is... That song always gets me when I hear it, so yeah. I didn't want yeah, to yeah, dissuade yeah. you from putting it on the list. Um, I could have easily put uh, Ted Nugent Stranglehold in this slot, yep. but uh, Ted has a lot of baggage, if you listen to him, and it really is his only good song. Well, I think he has good, other good songs, but that is definitely his best song. And, that is his best yeah, song. Yeah. But uh, I just decided that Ted might be just a little too heavy, and you could make the argument that it's almost metal. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it definitely gets into the proto metal, and and I yeah. think I think some people might say with the twin guitar on Kiss, but I felt that Kiss is solidly hard rock to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely Kiss yeah. is just rock, yeah. even though the entire album of Destroyer is a departure from their sound their traditional sound. Um, I, I don't think, I still think Detroit rock city is just hard rock. Well, just that, that guitar melody, just, I, I never get sick of it. And I've heard that. Well, that the riff, the riff, but then the, the twin guitar melody that they play, just like, it's the other one, the other one, the, um, which I'm not going to hum because I don't want to frighten away our, our, our limited audience, but it's, uh, it's just the more melodic, section of the song i do i I just never get sick of it yeah Uh, no i know i know what you're talking about okay and and also the big when um remember i remember i put on 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 the facebook page i asked if i I put a poll up about gene simmons bass playing and i think i and i think i said is he is he you know a good bass player a bad place bad bass player or the gene simmons of bass players which which uh which was a joke i stole from a forum but i thought that was funny um, he is the Gene Simmons of bass yes. but that but the and he's ba- even admitted that when they did the make the stuff without makeup, he said he was just phoning it in. Yeah, and, and that, but but the thing is that the 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 reason I asked that question is something about the baseline in that song triggered that question in my mind. Where you know I, I just never even considered. Well, wait, what kind of bass player is Gene Simmons? I never really think about him. Do you know what I mean? Like I think about him in other ways, but I never think about his actual playing. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a great song. So I have. No, I don't no really think of Kiss as musicians. Kiss are really just performers. Well, I think they are musicians in that they. I think they write. They've written some really good songs. Do you know what I mean? And I think that makes you a musician. I just think that they're. I don't know. I, they're they're definitely not about the technique. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're writing good songs and you're not about the technique, I I still think that makes you a musician. Um, you know, they're they're, they're like not quite. They're, they're, it's not like they have total disregard for their instruments. Like they do. You know, they're, they're not like they're not like at the level where they're just playing like three chords or something, or you know, you know, just you know, slamming their hands against the against the strings, but. The, I think that's because they had Ace Freely, though. I think if Ace hadn't been in the band, okay, they would have been 
they would have been more stripped down. There's a funny story. I don't know if you heard the story. They were touring with Rush way back in the day mm-hmm. when Rush was a nobody. Um, and Rush had just made Caress of Steel. And Caress of Steel is a weird album. It's complicated, and a lot of people don't get it. And uh, uh, Getty Lee played it for Paul Stanley in the in the van or something when they were touring. And Paul Stanley just kind of looked at him and shrugged his shoulders. He didn't. That wasn't what he wanted to make as a musician. That's okay. not the kind of music he wanted to make. And so that's when getting Lee got really nervous when that happened because they were trying really hard with that album. And they knew that we've got to turn this around eventually. And that's what led to 2112. Well, I, I, I think with um with Kiss, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're kind of comfortable with who they are as a band. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, so, uh, sorry. So we, were we just doing number eight? I'm just, uh, I just did my number eight. Okay. Yeah. So the and problem is I tracked with this story. So the problem is I'm going off my playlist on YouTube, which doesn't have numbers on it. That's why I keep losing track. Um, I have my, I have my mine written down, but they're not in the order I want them. So, uh, all right, so then I guess that leads us to number seven, and my number seven is Django Reinhardt Minor Swing, um, which I think is one of his more well-known ones. I'm sure people have heard it, uh, even if they don't know it, they've heard it. And I just, I've just always liked this song, and it was one of the, um, it was one of those things where when I was learning guitar, you know, he's one of the guitarists that you learn about, and I just really happened to, I clicked with his story, uh, and I clicked with his style, and it's. Um, you know, I just it just kind of always moves me every time, and it's also probably one of the more upbeat songs on my list because I'm noticing that most of my selections are in very minor keys, but and this one is in a minor key too, but it just has more bounce to it, so you know it it stands out for that reason. It also is kind of the song that brings us more into my modern, more modern period on the list. So so there's that. Which which song did you say of Django's? Minor Swing. Oh, minor swing. I'm yeah. looking at the wrong swing here. I'm trying to I find out which, which is. I don't know his music very well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's and it's also, it's music that you probably know it, but it's not often mentioned by name, so it's that kind of a song. Um, but, you know, it's just, a, I don't know, it's just kind of a catchy, uh, vibrant song. And also in the context of his story, I just, you know, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get him on the list. I found it on YouTube now. Yeah, it should be all over the place on YouTube. Um, but for those that don't know, I mean, his story is well known. But like, you know, he basically had he was playing with two fingers, basically, because he, he he damaged his left hand in a fire. And, oh, uh, wow. And so, you know, so so he's, he's kind of like actually Tony Iommi, uh That was the inspiration that uh, when he lost his finger, uh, the, the tip of his finger, at least that's that's yeah. uh, somebody gave him a Django Reinhardt album and said, listen to this. And said, do you know about this guy? And then that's what gave him inspiration to keep on going. So I usually call him like the one-armed swordsman of guitar players. Because um, he's like that. He's almost like a mythic figure that guitar players go to if they have some thing that's mucking up their ability to play. You know, it's like, well, Jang- Django Reinhardt did it. You know, so, you know, we should be able to as well. Um, so, and it's a good song. Yeah, um, I and now that I'm listening to it on my end. I, I realize I've heard it before. Yeah, it's it's very I, well known. I just never knew the name. Yeah, like I would say most people probably have heard it that are listening. 
Um, so yeah, what's your number seven? My number seven is Pat Benatar, Hell is for Children. Okay. I, you know, I wanted to get Pat Benatar on the list, and I just couldn't find a way to do it. So yeah. I'm glad that you have her on there. Yeah, yeah. I. It was probably, I was going through the phase, I was about nine or ten, and I was going through that phase where I, I burned through Deep Purple, I burned through Kansas and Boston uh, as a kid, and I hadn't found metal yet because I didn't know what it was. I hadn't found priest and maiden and all that uh-huh. and i got pat benatar's debut album and everybody liked hit me with your best shot which i can't stand mm-hmm. um but hell is the rest of the album is actually really good um there's a great story you should look for it online about how many different back backing bands that she hired to try to make the album work which which uh, album was this again this is her first album. I, I don't think it has a name. I think it's just called Pat Benatar. Okay, I just want to see if this was... Because like, my dad was really into Pat Benatar, and I wanted to see if it was an album that I would have been hearing at the time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that I recognize the album cover. So that, Okay. Oh, the debut album, In the Heat of the Night. That's the name of it. It released in August 1979. I remember exactly where I was... Um, when I first heard the album too, and I'm sorry, which song did you choose from it? Hell is for children. Hell is for children. Okay, yeah. it's a pretty dark tune, but um, she hadn't met Neil yet. Neil's her husband, uh-huh. but uh, and she recorded the album twice, the entire album twice, and the the uh, the record company was paying for everything. Right, they'd found her as a singer, and she'd had these songs that she'd written that she wanted to make, but the band's making the making the music in the background, it just wasn't working. It was all foofy pop mm. songs and she didn't want to do pop songs. She wanted to do rock and they had gone through two different studio lineups with her. And she said, I don't like these albums. And I said, well, you find somebody and we'll pay for another recording. And the producer happened to know Neil Geraldo, the, her husband, who was soon to be husband. They weren't, and she said, whatever, fine. She was really exasperated. He was leaving his studio in Texas, and he was going to go on vacation for two weeks. They call him as he's walking to his car. Somebody shouts out the window down to him, hey, there's a phone call for you. He goes back inside, takes the call, flies to New York, and records, and immediately starts making great music with her. There's she, details I'm glossing over because the story takes too long. But you, No, I think, I think she, she's an amazing singer. Number she one. is. She yeah. really is, and she still has her pipes. Yeah, I think she she's um she's got some kind of illness too now, right? That's it gonna. Does she? Yeah, I think she. I think she. I think like last year she said, like her uh her ability to perform is uh is being impacted now. Um, I forget what the problem is, but it's it's it, it's something that I think affects her ability to hit certain notes. Um, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up after the podcast. But it was, it was, it was. I was surprising when I when I when I heard about it. But I, I just think she's just one of these people who's is a great singer, great performer, and she has a lot of really great songs. And she's always kind. She, I don't know. She was very important during the era when I was growing up. So, you know, you just heard her a lot. Um, yeah. So I I want to I want to okay. tell my own the only joke I can think of about her music. And that is, she has a song called Love is a Battlefield. <laughs> yeah. And she has a song called Stop Using Sex as a Weapon. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what was going on in her life that those polarizing songs, because they're exact opposite, right? 
if love is a battlefield, then sex would be a weapon, right? So they're not opposite. They're both kind of... I mean, But the other song is Stop Using Sex as a Weapon. Oh, Stop Using... Yeah, but it's, so, it's still... in. It fits in the... Um, I, they're I, thematically similar, yeah. but they're, they're uh, polar opposite messages. Yeah, It's always yeah. made me laugh that she has done that. Yeah, but you know what? That's because... But not if you're... Like, there's an is-ought gap here, right? Because love is a battlefield. She's just asserting something. She's not asserting a should, right? She's just saying love is a battlefield. <laughs> You right, know, right. so she's creating a rule, yeah. and then immediately she's giving you advice. Yeah. But you know, don't use sex as a weapon. Love the, is a battlefield, but you don't use sex as a weapon. No, but that's the thing. It's sort of like it's like you know, the, the love is a battlefield is just an is assertion. The don't use sex as a weapon is an odd assertion. Do you know what it's, I mean? It's, it's, a, uh, it's yeah. advice. Yeah. So just because everybody's a greedy motherfucker doesn't mean you need to be one. Yeah, it's like the world is cruel, but you don't need to be cruel. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, you know, right. Um so I think I think it works. I, I buy your theory. I buy your theory. I'm okay with that. So, uh, so you're uh, on six now. I'm on what? I'm six. on six. Oh, thank you, because I was about to ask. Um, so I, I, I got <laughs> that look on my face. So my number six uh, is Strange Fruit, and uh, oh man, I should have had that up because I did want to mention who wrote it. Uh, that's kind of important. Um, it's I think Billy Holiday's version is the most well-known performance of yeah, it yeah. and and i either heard the billy holiday or the nina simone one uh originally um uh and i think the writer's name was abel mirapol and it was made writer lewis allen for wait you is that what you got for strange fruit for the lyrics yeah um let me see songwriter I, lewis allen because mine is um abel mirapol yeah uh, so that's interesting um it, it is such a dark and deep song i think it's a great choice for the list i would have never thought to put it on you it's um well i've 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 ever since i heard the song i've liked it and the big and the reason that i made it on this list in particular is because when i first encountered it my guitar (coughs) teacher was trying to show me that there were dark sounds beyond metal and and that could be even more dark than metal's capable of maybe and this was the song he showed me and you know for all kinds of reasons it's just it's one of the it's 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 one of the most grim uh, pieces of music that you'll ever hear uh but it's captivating like you can't stop you you want to hear what the yeah. you want to hear the lyrics and i don't know it's it's just a very powerful song so i i, I thought it belonged on the list um and and i would recommend that the billy holiday version is is really good and and again the nina simone one is also very good there are a lot of other renditions but those are the if you haven't heard it those are the two that I would recommend going to first. I, I am actually a huge fan of Nina Simone. I we've never talked about it on the show, but I love almost everything she's ever done. Okay, she has, she has a wonderful voice. Um, yeah, 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 she really did. And 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 I mean, and and that her version can stand up to Billie Holiday's version. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that you know because the the Billie Holiday one is so distinct sounding, um, but and, and they're totally different too. They have it's, it's like two different takes on this on the same song which i really like um but yeah so uh what's your number six my number six is uh perfect circle weak and powerless wait the band of perfect circle yeah okay okay Uh, i could i i struggle this is one of the few ones that i struggled with because i like so much of their music Mm -hmm. but i think judith is really well known as as well as the outsider and the stranger and so I this is the one that I will play in the background all the time, especially when I want I 
I want to write something maybe vampiric or moody okay. or gothic, now, I'll play Weak and Powerless in the now, background. I think a lot of people just assume metal when they hear that band name. So what would your... Uh, well, you know, how would you frame their music? Just I know. don't think that they're metal at all. Uh, I think they're they're like um, what would I compare them to? Maybe gothic new wave or something like that. Okay. They're really they don't sound like anybody else. I, that's one of the things with Maynard, right? Is he's well, always hard to classify. Well, and I think it's just because of Tool. I think the Tool thing sort of gets because I think a lot of people actually don't know. A perfect circles catalog yeah. do you know what i mean they just know that he's right. in it and so they're going to assume a lot of things about it but yeah he does like it's funny i remember i, I listened to some really early versions of tool songs and they used to be almost like a death metal band at one point um it's very interesting to see you know where that band went musically um uh but uh but yeah i i uh, I'm not I'm not terribly familiar with with this song in particular so I can't really comment on it um yeah but uh but I mean it's it's, a, it's an interesting uh in, I I remember when when he first started a perfect circle I remember my cousin got really into them so I remember hearing their first album is this is this a song from their first album or is it from a later album This is from the second album Second okay uh, okay Yeah the first album is good but it's a lot of the same Mhm and then when you get into the second album, and maybe the first album was rushed. I can't really speak to that. But then you get to the second album and you can really see them stretching and okay. getting more comfortable as a band together. I think that's probably more. Like, I feel like bands have to find their footing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that first album, sometimes, you know, they don't quite have it down yet, you know? Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we're on to number five now, right? Number You're five. number five, yeah. Okay, so this one, I'm going to admit this is probably one of the weaker entries on my list. Uh, it just it just looks odd when I can, when I, it, compared to some of the other entries. Uh, but it's the most honest one that I could put here. So, you know, I like the song, and I think it's, uh, I don't know, I just always like hearing it. Uh, and it's uh, The Ecstasy of Gold by Ennio Morricone from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yep. And yep. I don't know, that's just, you know, I've just always loved that song. And, you know... It, it just has the, the haunting vocal melody and just the, the way it keeps rising and rising and also the way that it's used in the context of the movie. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I it, and, and I, and I, 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 I was unusual as a kid in that I, I liked Ennio Morricone soundtracks, so I used to buy them. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, so I, I wanted to get one of his songs on, uh, on onto the list. So, um, so that's my number five. Well, if you, I mean, if you were going to get one on the list, that's the one to get. But I think everybody knows that song. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I also you'll probably notice a lot of my songs are well known, and I was trying to kind of think, like I wasn't thinking, oh, are these widely appreciated songs? But I was not shying from songs that were widely appreciated, thinking sure. that that just you know kind of lends more credibility to the list. Yeah, yeah. We we just have different ways of making lists, I think, and so that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my methodology. So what's your number five? Uh, my number five is Bad Religion, uh, Bad Religion, Shattered Faith. It's the only punk song on my list. It's uh, It was not released on any albums. It was released on a, uh, on a B, not even a B-side. It was a it was given away as a demo of Here's Songs We Never Released kind of thing. There were seven okay. songs on there. And they were all good. 
to some degree, but this one really is just the best thing ever made, and I cannot figure out why it wasn't put on an album. And I, I don't think I know that song. I know the band Bad Religion, but I don't yeah. know that song. I've or maybe seen I've, them in concert more than any other band. Would I have heard this song and just not known the name, or is it no, a song? No, okay. you probably have not heard it at all. Okay, all right, so... It's like it's like one of those B-side Iron Maiden songs. Like if you don't have the, if you don't have it, you haven't heard it. Um, yeah, you could find it easily on YouTube, right? Yeah. It's become popular. People have gone and found it, and uh-huh. now because of the we're in the digital age, it's readily available. But I, I have to I, comment I, on I that actually. I, I'm a little okay. Go ahead. Well, no, not on that. Like, um, uh, we, we, I don't want to mention it specifically because it's a song that's on my list later. But like some albums, um. If you get them digitally, they pack on a bunch of material that wasn't originally released on that album, or maybe it was like, you know, like the B side of a single from the album, but wasn't on the album, uh, or is like, you know, something that the band later reworked and put back. And I kind of am bothered that a lot of the digital albums I'm getting are are not the original album. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, because I feel like it's distorting what the what the album was and i it, it ties oh. loosely to what you were saying interesting you know, that's, you know what that's I mean? interesting point like like i noticed that with a lot of megadeth albums and stuff that i was picking up on on amazon right. music that they weren't the same as when i had them on tape and at first i thought it was crazy but then i'm like no they've added two other songs on here that weren't and it totally changes like it makes the album worse do you know what i mean it makes it less tight and i think yeah. that it's bad for people that don't know what the album sounded like when it first came out. Because when it first came out, it was an album that had a structure that was very well thought out. Um, right. But, uh, but you know, that's just a rant. That's just a rant. Um, well, we talked about that. That's a good rant, though, because we've talked about this on pre- two previous podcasts. We've talked about Iron Maiden, the last song on the album. We, we ranked all of them. Yep. And we also talked about maybe the first album to ever sit down, the first metal album, to sit down and say this is the order these songs should go in not just the order we recorded them or the order that eh, we feel that this is okay yeah but actual here is logical progression for how you should hear these 10 songs um and i think that that adds to that argument i think it's a really good point that i hadn't considered because i'll listen to stuff like defenders of the faith it's a judas priest album and they throw four extra songs in the end of the remastered edition and it is kind of, uh, you know, I liked it when it ended on the other one. Why am I having to it's, hear these now? It's like structuring a movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's not as crucial because you can, you can miss an important song and still keep going, and it won't be confusing. But it still matters. It's still like that structure matters. I, the first album I ever noticed that on was um, Phil Oaks' Rehearsal for Retirement, and. I don't know why that album was the first one where I realized that, you know, the way these albums were structured mattered and the selection of songs mattered and the overall theme of the album can matter. Do you know what I mean? But that right. was just when I first noticed it. Um, maybe because in that one, I think if I recall in that album, the idea was each song was kind of from a different genre, almost like a cinematic genre and musical genre. And and they were they, they flowed in a certain way and they all kind of addressed the same theme but from a different sure. angle so um so I, I if you throw in four random songs into that it just totally you know you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's like inserting three chapters into the middle of frankenstein that elaborate <laughs> on the monster's history but yeah. screw up the theme do you know what i mean it just that yeah. is so so rant over yeah. <laughs> or oh, you no, have another i want to add to your rant because uh-huh. i think it's a good rant uh there's a, a channel on youtube you know about it but people may not um 
train records. That guy breaks down albums that go awry and what was mm. wrong with them. And he does The Clash, which I'm not a fan of The Clash, but if you are, there's a good one about The Clash. But my favorite in his series is Creedence Clearwater Revival. And he talks about how their last album gets put together. Oh, yeah, that was a great video. That was yeah, a really yeah, yeah. good and video. That last album is just eight songs or whatever it is, or seven songs that just they kind of recorded. And they have nothing to do with one another, and they're all bad. Um, it's, it, it, is, it is an art form to sit down and say, this is going to happen now. This is gonna, we're going to put this song here. And it's the same thing with books. You're right. I, I struggle with this as a writer. What am I going to say next? Mm -hmm. what, is the, what is the obvious logical progression of thing to talk about now? I know they need to know this rule, but th is this the place to put it? And if you're worried about that kind of stuff, if you want to make art properly, I don't want to say properly. That sounded pretentious. But if you want to make art that matters to you and that, that, that lasts, you have to worry about this stuff. Yeah, and in, and in this case, it's it's also about like the history of the art itself because when it came out, it was released a certain way, and that's what made it land the way it did. And then when you when you change that, people don't understand why. Like maybe maybe it was even a bad album. Do you know what I mean? And maybe and 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 part of the reason was the way that it was structured. Do you know what I mean? But that should kind of be that should sort of remain. Do you know what I mean? Like it. it yeah. So. Uh, or it should be made clear to the people consuming it that that's that that it's been altered. Do you know what I mean so that they at least know? Um, but yeah, I, I wonder don't... how much that is the band and how much that is the studio, right? The studio is saying, "We've got this content that was never released. Just put it on there." I don't know. A lot of times, I think it's the band, and a lot of times, you know. But who knows? I mean, I I think I think a I think I think a lot of bands sort of get that George Lucas itch you know, years later and they're like, oh, there was this great track that we could have put on there, but we didn't. And they don't realize that that mucks with the whole flow of the original album or they don't we, care because they we've think... been talking about this for about seven hours now. But I wanted I do want to say and we've never done an episode about Queensryche and we're going to have to Queensryche. The warning is their best album. When they remastered it, they released it with another song called The Prophecy that wasn't on there originally. Mm hmm. And it is a really, really good song, and it does belong on there. It's one of the few instances in this conversation, in the in the thread of this context, that the the new song actually added to the album. That could be the case. Like I said, it could you know like the album, might, but I still think they should at least mention that. Do you know what I mean so that you know if you've never heard the album before that this yeah. isn't what people heard when they first heard the album. I Did think he... there was a sticker on Queensryche's The Warning with the remaster that says includes a never okay. released. Yeah, that that I can handle. It's just when it's sort of slipped in there. And in, and again, in digital music, you you're not always it's not like you get like a packaged thing. So they just I just think that they need to mention in parentheses this was not in the original album or at the very least put it at the end and don't like put it between two tracks that used to flow together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. But uh, but anyways, right. yeah. I get so so that horse is dead. <laughs> yeah, that horse. So I guess we're on to number four, right? Or did yep. you? Okay. You're so number four. My number four is um, Bill Withers' "Ain't No Sunshine," um, and there were a lot of songs vying for this spot, <laughs> and one of them was another Bill Withers song. But uh, but I I don't know this song. I just have always liked, um, and I think it's a kind of honest, sort of soulful piece of music that. Uh, I don't know it just it's got kind of like a universal feeling in it and 
and it's I don't know it's kind of a lovely sentiment too it's sort of like like I like the lyric it's a really great way to capture what it feels like to to long for somebody so I like that too I do not know the song so I will look forward to the oh you must know ain't no sunshine when she's gone yeah well maybe I do you you know everybody knows this this is like a they play this in movies all the time. You know, it's it's one of these. It, it, I, I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure you you must have heard it, or or you just weirdly never encountered it. I mean, that's always possible. Um, you know, I never encountered that Rasputin song that I ended up liking so much. Nope, I don't know this song. Oh, really? Nope. That's that. I was I was accurate in my assessment that i'd never heard of okay fair enough all right i i i always assumed that this was like a really widely known song maybe it's not as widely known as i thought um so but i I like to also appreciate that there's a genre of of music in that that anything rolling stone likes Mm -hmm. i am guaranteed to hate no i get that but i would have assumed that you would at least have heard it at some point i mean that was so expanding that circle Mm -hmm. if it if it touches it obliquely or mm-hmm. tangentially, it is probably something I haven't heard because I'm just avoiding that. Okay. Okay. Um, I love Marvin Gaye, right? But I've mm-hmm. not heard all of his music. Okay. Because you start going down that rabbit hole and then you're going to encounter songs. Oh, this is a really weird style that he's playing in. Oh, I know why. Okay. I don't like that style. I've been avoiding it for 20 okay. years. Okay. All right. And, and again, I don't know. I don't know where this song lands with Rolling Stone or not, but I could definitely see it fitting into that style that you're describing um so yeah so but that's my number four what's your number four my number four is scorpions burn the sky okay it's off of the album um in force i believe i have it i have it two feet away i'm gonna go pick up the cd and make sure i'm getting the title they they definitely belong in the list i think Um, yeah um yeah and they're not metal they got really really close with blackout and love at first thing but they're not a metal band um Taken by Force. That's the name of the album. Okay. Uh and this is when Uli Roth was in the band. And it just has one of their best riffs. If if you listen to it, it's it's got a really good progression. It's a solid song. There's not much to say about it. Okay. Scorpions definitely belong on the list. Um Yeah. Uh and uh, and and also they have so many eras that like you could you could have picked so many different Scorpion right, songs. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you know was, what I mean? I, I, uh, Speedy's coming is a great song by them. Uh, hey, you. Uh, there's another one. Um, uh, Sales of Charon is a great song by them, and these are all old songs from their early days, before before they got really really hard. Yeah, I I, I, lo- I love Sales of. Is it S- Sales of Karen or Sales of Charon? How do you pronounce it? I pronounce it Charon. Okay. Because, yeah, but I could be. I don't know. I've I heard think... it pronounced both ways, so I have. You know, I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, and I'm not. I'm not the best. I'm not the best at. You know, I, I often mispronounce things based on how I read them. So. Well, it's old Greek. It's ancient Greek too. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know the proper pronunciation. Um, so I guess that brings us to number three, right? We're at number three. Yes, your number three. All right. So my number three is a little odd. Um, my number three is. Uh, speak softly love um which is uh with the, the one that was performed by andy williams the uh, the, the nino rota song that was in godfather godfather 2 um it's it, but it's like the the sung version of it 
I just always love that melody. And my mom used to sing it to me constantly as a kid. So it's just one of these songs that just, it became one of my favorite songs over time. Um, but it's a little corny, but I don't really mind. And it's also sort of in the crooner category as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am shocked you put an Andy Williams song on. There. I mean, I am too, because normally, I mean, Andy Williams is not, even among the crooners, he's not somebody that I would normally, you know, listen to that much but i i love his uh version of speak softly love you know it's a um uh i don't know i, I just the mel the melody is good even when it's not being sung but the but that particular arrangement and there are a lot of different people that have performed it i i, I just it just kind of i don't know it resonates with me i don't know what to say now you know it's it, it is a classic, you know what I mean? It's one of those songs, it's one of those songs where you're a little embarrassed to say that it's, you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like saying you liked the, the, no, the, the novel based on the movie rather than the, than the, than the original novel, do you know what I mean? Oh, but, yeah. You know? Oh my God, that's but, such a great metaphor. Yeah, but, but I really love the song. And, and a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that my mom used to, she used to like throw her arms out and sing the song. You know, she just loved this song, so. Um, I think that exuberance that she had for it, I, I you know, I caught. Um, so what's your number three? So I cheated here. I have two songs for number three, and there's a reason I have two songs for number three. Okay. Um, I could have made this entire list classical music. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of that, I just put down my two favorite classical pieces in the slot for number three. Okay. So uh, one is Henry Gorecki's Symphony of Sor Sorrowful Songs. That is uh, some somber music, if I recall. Yeah, Gorecki is amazing. He's a Polish composer. Um, and then Rimsky-Korsakov's Scheherazade, which is, he's a Russian composer. Um, those are my two favorite. And they're very diametrically opposed. They're yeah. very different kinds of songs. Gorecki is bleak. Gorecki yeah, is a very I love, bleak. I love yeah. that he's bleak. Right? No, no, it's good. It's good. It's just like, uh, it's hard to put, to express in words just how bleak he is until yeah. you hear him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I I, I think the, I I understand. It's that's fair. You kind of wanted like a classical slot, basically, and those were the yeah. Two. Essentially, that's what yeah. my number three was: is a classical slot. I could have put Gustav Mahler, Kinden Toden leader in there as well, um, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't want to just keep padding that that spot. Okay. But that's my top ten list. Could have been all classical music. It really could have. Um, <clears throat> so I just threw those two in there. Those are my favorites. Okay, no, that's that's. I think I think those are good choices. Um, uh, so we're on to number two. Is that? Yeah, yeah, you're number two. So my number two is uh, Dolly Parton, Jolene. Um, oh, that's and, a great song. Yeah, I, I love this song. And and the thing that really clinched it for me was, I mean, some songs get covered to death, and this song has definitely been covered a lot. But I feel like this song is covered for the right reasons. Um, and and also, I I wanted to get Dolly Parton on the list because she is like one of the great songwriters of the 20th century. And and I feel like sometimes people miss that about her because of her personality and her style. Right. But right. she really is like, like there are few people that even get close to her in terms of volume of songwriting and in terms of quality. And also just in terms of like the, 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 the playfulness of her lyrics and the cleverness of some of her lyrics. Um, I just, I just really like, I like her music and I like her, I like, the stories that she tells in her songs and I like the sentiments behind them. And, and Jolene is just, it's a really good song. It's uh it, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I cannot argue with any of that. I, I actually in my head started laughing a little bit when you said Dolly Parton <laughs> before you got to Jolene. I'm thinking Dolly Parton. Why is she on this? And then you said Jolene. I said, Oh yeah, of course. That's absolutely a top ten song. Well, and I'm, also, I'm surprised I didn't think of it myself. Well, and also that's a song where it's you know the song it, it, that thing I said about the song mattering more than the performer. Like her performance of that song is great, but that's a song where you can see how good it is as it gets performed by more people and they find different things about it. Do you know what I mean? Or they emphasize a different aspect or they change the rhythm a little. You know that 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 can really tell you how good a song is overall. Um, so yeah, so and 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 I and again, she's a great songwriter. So no, um, yeah, she's a great lady. She's a good person in general. I don't if I I hadn't picked any country songs. If I did, it would probably be something by Cash or Haggard. Okay, okay, and and, and I I, just, I wanted Haggard to flex. No, and I was thinking Cash to, and 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 I don't know Haggard as well, but Haggard does have some really good songs. But um, and Johnny Cash was somebody that I kind of wanted to put on the list, but when I was being honest about it. I always gravitated more towards Dolly Parton songs than Johnny Cash, which, right. you know, is <laughs> she's less dark. Sometimes right. she can no, get yeah, yeah. she can definitely get dark sometimes. Like she has she has some songs where you pay attention to the lyrics and you realize they're actually quite dark. But they often sound cheerful or there's something misleading about them that they don't quite sound. They don't they don't have the the grimness that a Johnny Cash song typically has. Right. Um, uh, while we're in this category, I want to mention um, if people are listening, looking for great guitar players that predate metal, you've got Chet Atkins, you've got Glenn Campbell, and you've got Roy Clark. Um, and the three of them are just yeah. powerhouses in there's, that in that genre. And also, there's a lot that's been lost in the transition to metal. I was thinking about this the other day. There was some. Well, wait. I'll wait till I get to my number one because my number one kind. Remind me, because that my point is made sure. by the number one song. So sure, um, and I, I don't want to discount people in the blues that were doing great things either. But I didn't grow up listening to blues. I grew up listening to Chet Atkins. My dad was a huge fan. Um, well, and but, there's a lot know, of crossover got... between those two genres too. So I feel like you yeah. know it's, um, you know, they, they, they are definitely two different styles. Um, we, we did do an episode about the top sixty-six guitar players or whatever that one was. Yeah. Remember we read that list. And it was just garbage, um, but there were some hits in there that we wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Include. Though I mean, you know, if you're doing '66 guitarists, they're just going to be in there randomly, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not <laughs> they didn't do anything right. It's just that they had and such they a big list. Skipped over metal, yeah. right? They just did all the people, the big people that everybody already knew. Yeah. And yeah. It was, okay, why is this person on the list? They're not. They didn't really do anything. So, oh, what's your number two? My, are we on number two? Is that what we're on? I think we're on number two. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So mine's obvious. Kansas, Mysteries and Mayhem. I've talked about this song before. Um, Kansas is just... I just think they're one of the greatest things that ever. And there's so many great songs. But if I had to pick this, it's either this or American Song. Your uh, your list is making me feel like I'm at my, my, my friend Greg's house when I was a kid. His mom, Bev, used to uh, listen to like the 70s station right. back back in like 1985 when 70s songs were still, right. you know, like only five years old um, or, you know, at most 15 years old. Uh, but it, I, it's it's I, I'm getting a very strong sound of the 70s feel from your list here. Well, we've talked about this before about I wasn't we didn't have books in the house until I was about, I don't know, 11. Mm hmm. And I wasn't allowed to really watch that much TV, so I just listened to lots and lots and lots of music. And if I wasn't listening to records on my dad's record player, 
the the radio was on and it was playing adult contemporary stuff yeah. like Bobby Vinton and the Carpenters. And so a lot of this stuff I just picked up because when somebody would leave the room, I'd change the station. And yeah. There, KLOS, there, there was a radio station called KMET when I was a little kid. KLOS is world famous. Um, they're from their LA station, but KMET at the time was up and coming and they were playing that kind of hard rock stuff too. And that's where I, that's where I chipped my teeth on a lot of this stuff. And it, and it's a golden age. I mean, it's not like there's nothing wrong with the '70s sound at all. Right. It's, def- it's like right. I mean, it's a it, I, it's funny because in the '80s we did kind of make fun of the '70s because it was becoming out of fashion. But right. but the '70s really like when you look at like the top, like the, there's there's a sound of guitar in the '70s that could only exist in that period because after that it's sort of like all of the progression like that they were they were developing a sound do you know what i mean and then by the time you get to the to the 80s the there's 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 almost no more space for that kind of music because it's all been it's all been hashed out do you know what i mean like you're sort of they were sort of in at a key moment where these things were being defined and decided and i'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here about uh how we break down decades in terms of music but i think the 70s 80s and 90s continued they echo one another over and over and over again and this is why okay the opening of those decades have great music and well i'm not a big fan of the opening of the 90s but allow me for the sake of the argument no. the opening of the 70s has great music the opening of the 80s has great music open the 90s has music. and then you've got disco you've got uh glam rock at the end of the 80s and mm-hmm. then you've got um just repetitive grunge derivative bullshit at the end of the 90s mm-hmm. um these these decades start out great. They start out strong. They start out smart. And somebody comes along and says, how do we capitalize on that? How do we make what's going on more commercial? And that's how you get disco. That's how you get glam rock. That's how you get crap like the Gin Blossoms, right? Or Weezer. I think Weezer was late 90s, right? Weezer was mid-90s, early 90s. Okay. But they but they remained for a while. So they're, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and I know people out there like Weezer. I think they're one of the worst things ever. I was just making fun of a friend who likes them the other day. Online. I like some that's Weezer music. Some of their music I like. Um, they're I, clearly a band that hates music, and they no. They that's actually that's not. Them. See, that's what's interesting about them. They're, I know. I, I don't want to go down okay. the rabbit hole. Okay, we, we won't. I'll spare you the rabbit hole. I'll spare you the rabbit hole. But, but I think what ends up happening with all of these decades is hmm. that people start out with the best of intentions. So the '70s started out so strong with music because um altamont had happened and the whole hippie era had died and so music had to find a new vein mm-hmm. and so bands like deep purple were carrying over from the late 60s into the 70s and then you get ccr and you get all these prog bands coming out of the early 70s and by the end of the 70s you've got disco dominating everything yeah. and it's empty and so when you talk about 70s music people think disco yeah, it's the first thing they think of when you talk about 80s music. The first thing people think of is the cure tears for fears yeah. and all the bad glam rock bands. They don't realize how good early 80s music was. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't pop. Right. Air Supply was a garbage band. But if you weren't listening to that radio station, you were listening to rock stations in the in the 80s. You were hearing some really good stuff. Well, and, and with the '70s, especially, one of the things I really love is the guitar tone of the '70s. It just, yeah, yeah. it just had a, a fuzz to it that, um, that that fell. That, 
both fell out of fashion and was just because of the way technology developed it sort of faded right. um you know i think that there's a flaw that happens when technology gets so good that the guitarist becomes useless right yeah that i like that fuzz i hear what you're saying when you're talking about that fuzz sound or the doomy sound right the bad yeah. things you can hear the clipping in the background on some of these albums and you know there there's nothing they could do about it because that was the quality of the machine and um I think that you lose a lot once distortion pedals and amplifiers get so good that now, oh, now we're just focused on how clean we can make this as opposed to how earthy you can make it. Well, so and also, I think I'm using bad metaphors. No, but I know what you mean. And also, when you get the sound, it's just an effect. It's not like it's not the complete package. Like you know, like you know what you feel. The guitarist wrestling. <laughs> with this beast that is producing this sound right. in the seventies. And it's not, and if I, if I plug into an uh, effects thing on my computer, I'm not wrestling with anything. I'm just hitting a button and you can hear that. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, I'm kind of wistful for like older and, and a lot of bands are actually playing on older technology for that reason. Cause it is, it does produce a different sound. It's not, it's not just like a, you know, just, it's not just a hipster thing of, you know, we want to use tube amps because, or we want to use like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it, you get, you get different sounds with these older, these older technologies. There, uh, there's a very funny story about Glenn Tipton. He was, uh, experimenting with sounds in the mid seventies and he had found this amp that he really liked, but he couldn't find a way to replicate that sound in the studio. They couldn't, they couldn't port through, right. They couldn't port through his amp. Mm -hmm. And then into the studio to get the sound that he wanted. But there was this one specific amp that he really liked. And I don't know the name of it. And so he was never able to replicate that sound in the studio. And somewhere in the late 90s, this guy came up with a, a, a filter for GarageBand or something for Glenn Tipton mm -hmm. so that he could create that sound now. Problem was, Glenn didn't want to make that sound anymore. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was making the, a specific kind of metal now. Okay. But, uh, the idea that there was a... The, that equipment was like that at a time, right? Where you just didn't have the kind of universality, 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 universality. Yeah. You didn't have the kind of universality where something could plug into something else could plug into something else. Right. This is, this amp just isn't made very well. And this is the sound that comes out of the back end, yep. but you can't port that back through the studio inputs at the time. So he was never able to create the sound that he wanted on a record. Yeah, well, and also I think um, he was creating that sound. It probably would have been different for him when somebody just handed him the sound too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, it might not have quite felt the same. Um, so, are are you on? Did you just did your number two right? That was your I just two. did my number okay. two. So, yeah. so we're on to number one, right? We're on to our big. Do yeah. we want? Do we want to have any preamble before we get on to number one, or we just want to move right into number one? Um, well, I don't think anybody's going to guess what my number one is. I can pretty much guarantee that. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. Do you how... want to guess? Do you want to guess what my number? I'm one? never going to guess what it was. I don't think. Right. I... Well, okay. Um, you're doing seventies, so. Well, I said a lot of seventies. Okay. Okay. So yeah, but now now you're throwing that into to, and I'm trying to think of who you've already done, and I know you don't like Led Zeppelin. I know there are bands you don't like. Um, okay. Okay. Is it gonna? Is it? And it's not a metal song. Nope. So, is proto metal allowable on your list or no? 
Yeah, no, it is, but this isn't even proto metal. This is just poppy rock. Oh, poppy rock. That yeah, I I, I don't think anybody's ever gonna guess this. All right, so poppy rock music. Is it like a cherry bomb or something? Like I don't know. <laughs> I love the Runaways, by the way. <laughs> but no, it's not. I had I used to have that album. The That's a really good song, actually. I like the energy of that song. Um, so did you see the movie? I I haven't no I haven't seen the movie I I, I I was gonna I was gonna try to find it at some point but I I got distracted by other things um, so why don't you do your number one first and then I'll do mine I guess okay well mine is Golden Earring Twilight Zone oh that's a good song that's yeah a, yeah I, that, I, I can't get enough of it and that's one of those songs that definitely gets the thing on my list where like when it comes on I'm like oh this song is on I got to stop and listen to this do you know what I mean like now, it's that kind of a song. It's one of the more popular songs on my list because you will still hear this on the radio today. Yeah. Um, much like I think you can hear ABBA and Pat Benatar sometimes. Yeah, you can um, still you can still hear both of them. But th- this song has a complicated history, and I just I don't actually like Radar Love. I think it gets played too much, uh-huh. and it's not it's not really that deep of a song. I don't understand. But- so Radar Love is a song I've grown to like. I hated it when I first heard it. Um, yeah, but I sort of it just kind of grew on me a little bit. So now there's like a parts of it I can through familiarity I can appreciate, but I've never understood the lyrics of that. I mean, I've understood I know what they mean. I just have never understood the. It just kind of always sounded weird to me. But Twilight Zone actually works. Do you know what I mean? Well, Twilight uh, Zone is supposed to be Radar Love Part Two. Oh, is it? Okay, that's yeah, interesting. It was, it was originally named Radar Love Part Two uh, something something Twilight Zone. And the studio said, no way is your number one on the album going to have that long of a title. Just name it Twilight Zone. Okay, okay. That's interesting because yeah. Radar Love, just the concept of Radar Love bothers me. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but go on, go on. So, um, yeah, so I just think that this song has, is a lot more complex than what they were making previously. And I really, I just can't get enough of it. Uh, there. There's just something to it, and I know all the lyrics to it. Mm-hmm. I sing along every time I play it at home, and it it just grabs me. There's so many there's so many complexities going on in the lyrical structure and in the music, and then there's that nice dip before it uh, before it comes back up and crescendos for the final act. Uh, I, it does everything I think a song is supposed to do personally, and it does it without being metal. So. Uh- I agree. I agree. And actually that song is so good. I never even realized until years ago that it was the same band. Like I, like I, I, yeah. I never made the connection between those two songs until I think I heard it on the radio and the person said that they'd done both songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no reason you would think that it's the same band because the recording qualities are so different mm-hmm. and they're written so differently. And to call it a part two is kind of weird. That That's, because- uh, that's a shock to me. That's a big shock, actually, that that, that information, because they, they really don't sound alike at all. Yeah. Um, but well, it's synchronicity and synchronicity, too. Right. Synchronicity, which, by the way, that synchronicity, too, could have been on this list. Synchronicity is not a good song, but synchronicity, too, is one of the police's best songs. OK, I mean, fair, fair enough. Um, sometimes that does happen, you know, but uh, yeah. uh, oh, do you want to get oh, well, doing three versions of Unforgiven? And you wish they hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I was I was mildly okay with Unforgiven too, only because it at least made up for like all the crap that they were putting out with. Uh, you know what I mean? Like at least yeah. I was getting a taste 
of something that was melodically connected to the Black Album rather than, uh, I want to call it Sludge Load. Um, but by the time you get to part three, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Hey, we found a way to bring Metallica into the we did. podcast, we, we even did. though I can't stand doing that. And, and and I just want to point out it was you, not me, that brought no, up Metallica. No, it's always me. Yeah. I'm always uh, the one that does it, and they make me so angry. <laughs> but, uh, but so do you want to guess my number one or... Based on what you've been picking, uh, can you at least tell me the decade? Um, I think it's eighties. Got to be eighties. Um, but let me just double check that just in case I'm like, for some reason, totally wrong. Um, in fact, I could. Uh, well, I won't give you the exact year because I think that's. Oh, actually, it's 1978. I thought it was early eighties. 1978. Um, yep. You're picking it. Is it? Uh, what's her name? Is it going to be Bette Midler? No, no, I would never pick a Bette Midler song. I was making fun of you. That, okay. I obviously wouldn't pick that. Um, you've been picking a lot of crooners. You've been picking a lot of soulful music. 1978, wow. I was so knee-deep in prog rock in 78. I don't know. I don't think I can guess who you're going to be. And In fact, let me just double check. Just because that date doesn't sound right to me. No, it's just um, 78. I guess it could have been 77 also. I don't know. The dates look a little wonky. Give me so. one tiny hint, just so I. Oh man, I don't know how I can. Okay, there, there is, there is connective tissue between this and one of my other entries on the list. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a guess. That's not a hint. That's uh, a very big hint, especially when I when don't I talk... know which one. Is this another classical music song? Is this? No, because I'm going in chronological order. So unless it was oh, like a right. surprise yeah. classical hit of 1977. Yeah. You know, like the Star Wars theme song John or Phillips something. Sousa, yeah. 1978 yeah. hit. <laughs> well, it could have been a John Williams song because I did have, um, I did have, uh, I said it could have been a John Williams song or something if it was 1977. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 78 as it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to bother. All right. So it's a song. Let's waste time for three minutes. <laughs> Sultan's a swing. Um, oh, and, what a great song! Well, and the great, uh, I know which one you're going to pick, but go ahead. Um, I oh, just no, Sultan's a swing is the song. It is the song. It is the song by Dire, song, Strait. by, by Dire right, Straits. Right. Um, yeah. I I've always loved that song. When it comes on, it's just like I I want to hear it, and I'm yep. always finding things about it that I didn't notice before. But one of the reasons why I picked it was, I mean, I think everybody likes this song. I've never met anybody that was like, oh, Sultan's a swing. I hate that song. Um, you know, people generally are favorable to it. Uh, and I, I, as a guitar player, this captures what I was talking about when I said something was lost in the transition to heavy metal, where the, the melodic and the, and the chord side of things sort of got separated from each other. Do you know what I mean? Like the, like one guitar starts doing one thing, the other guitar starts doing the other thing. And you can feel that gap growing between them where it's like the riff versus the melody or the chord versus the melody. And this is a song where there's a lot more fluidity between chord and melody. It's a little bit more in the style of Hendrix or a little bit more in the style of Django Reinhardt in that respect. And it's also very honest playing. Like you, uh, you can hear the notes where he's maybe not quite hitting it quite right. Do you know what I mean? And it's still there. 
Um, but he's not playing badly. He's still a very impressive player, but it's just an honest performance, which I like. I like when people are like, no, I'm not going to redo that. That's the performance I gave, and that's what's going to be on the record. Jim, yeah. Jimmy Page did that. I like that about Jimmy Page. Um, and also, he played with his fingers, and I, I, I've, I've always yeah. been a finger player, so it's yeah. a, you know, it's, it's a demonstration of what you can do playing with, with your fingers. And, and, just, and, and, and everything else about the song is good, too, so, um, so that's why I picked it. Um, yeah, no, that is a fantastic. I wish I thought of that. I, it's it's what it's the only song I like from them. I don't like them as a band. Yeah, I'm not a huge Dire Straits fan. Aside, because actually, a lot of the things they do that work on this song are almost like uh, uh, ticks that are in their other songs. Do you know what I mean? When you hear them, you're like, oh, why does he keep doing that? Do you know what I mean? But in this yeah. song, it all kind of works. Um, Have like you I- heard the Alchemy live version? I don't think I have. No, no, it is so much better than the studio version. I'll, I'll, I'll check that one out. Um, yeah. and I just sent you a link to a guy from a band called uh Witchbreed, and he does just the guitar solo, but in a metal style. Okay. That's interesting. Just yeah. Two the, minutes of it. And the guitar but, solo is obviously, yeah. uh, you know, an important element of the song. Uh, there's actually a couple in there. It's one of those songs you get, you know, the guitar gets to go off on its own a couple yeah. of times. Um, but, we uh, need to do a top ten guitar outros episode. I mean, but I'm going to tell you right now that's probably number one for me. I mean, that's that's something. I mean, I would. De- I I'm trying to think of. Uh, I, de- I I that would be a pretty interesting one to do. But I'd have to go back and listen to make sure that I'm actually remembering outros and not other elements of the song. Sure. Um, I know that de- I would definitely probably have a lot of Slash material on there if we did that. I've always liked Slash's guitar playing. Um. And if we're just focusing on the guitar and some element of it, I'd probably be able to get more slash than I normally do. Um, but yeah, so we, we have our playlists that we're going to link in the uh, in the description. So you can actually go and listen to our playlists. Uh, I'm going to include uh, uh, Erev Shel Shashanim on it uh, as number 11. So it sort of yeah, violates yeah, yeah. the chronological order. And I think you said you're going to be doing that too with your list. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so these will be bigger than 10, but that way people can listen to them. And this was, a, I don't know, this was fun. I had a lot of fun trying to whittle this down because it was really hard. There was, I like I like I said, I had, I had 14 honorable mentions because there were 14 other songs I wanted to cram onto the list. And by stripping those out, I actually got to something that kind of made sense to me. So I liked it. Yeah, this is a fun experiment. I was shocked with your choices. Well, what did you think you? What did you think I was gonna give you? I didn't think you were gonna pick so much old stuff. You know, I grew up listening to a lot of old music, and yeah. and uh, and I I kind of have this. I I've always felt that you have to respect the OGs in anything, and so I I, I and also I wanted to do music that stood uh, withstood the test of time. That was another one of my criteria, sure. which. I didn't mention, but that was a consideration. So that meant nothing recent. Like if there's, there might be a song that I'm listening to right now that came out in the past five years, but I don't know if I'm going to still be listening to that in 15 years. So sure. I, I did. I wanted to exclude pretty much anything from the anything from before 2000. I basically was just doing, you know, uh, you know, the last cent, uh, you know, up through the last century. Um, but yeah, but I mean, your your list, I, I, I mean, you kind of told me what it was going to be before. So I kind of got a good sense of, of what it was about beforehand. And and I even knew one of the songs that might make its way on the list. So it was probably 
less of a surprise for me. But uh, but I thought it was interesting that we we came because at first I was starting to ask you what the criteria should be, and and I think you said, oh no, just just do the list. And I thought that was better because right. then it showed a show like, okay, if Brendan sits down and does a list, this is sort of the parameters he sets, and this if you sit down and do the list, this is the parameters you set. And uh, and we ended up with hugely different lists as a result. So I thought that right. was that was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so people should check out the lists and if you want, when we post this, put your top 10 list of non-metal songs, cause it'll be interesting to see what people say. I think that when metal fans get together, their non-metal tastes are often radically different from one another. So it, right. it's, it's right. interesting to see what, you know, what, what weird oddities, what, you know, who's listening to tiny Tim, you know, and who's listening to weird Al Yankovic. Um, oh. We should have done a top ten Weird Al list. I I like Weird Al. I I was a Weird Al fan growing up, but I yeah, didn't feel so that. I. Yeah, but I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable putting parody music onto a list like this. No, so. no, of course not, because the originals are always so bad. Yeah. Right? Well, well, I don't know. Some of the originals I like. Um, it depends on the like. I, I'm I'm more I'm more open to pop music, I think, than you are. So that might you know. So so some of the songs he does, you know, I. I, I like the original versions, but some of them I definitely didn't like the original versions, but he made them engaging and fun. So I would listen to them. But also I feel like one of the, here's what I think is the genius of Weird Al. I think Weird Al knows that people feel guilty about liking certain types of music and certain songs. And if you make it a parody, people will be able to get the enjoyment of the song itself, but they won't have the guilt associated with it. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. Um, so like if you feel guilty for listening to like beat it, for example, or something and enjoying, enjoying the sweet sounds of beat it, you, you can, and, and now there's a whole other list of things that would make that song a guilty pleasure. But at the time, you know, it was guilty for other reasons. And, and I think that, uh, I think that, you know, making it about somebody just, you know, gorging on food <laughs> makes it palatable. So, um, so yeah, so maybe one of these days, it's not metal, but maybe one of these days we should do a weird Al episode, um, or, or incorporate Weird Al in some way. Uh, I'm ready to record it now. I could talk about Weird Al all day. So. Well, we could maybe, well, let's see, let's, let's, why we end the episode and we can, we can talk about potentially doing some Weird Al stuff. Um, all right, so we'll end it there. We've gone on for an hour and 20 minutes. And until next time, we will talk to you later.